standing to our feet. Let's give him a welcome as he comes tonight. Good evening, everyone. How are you? The only American food he didn't rule out. He didn't say it's not Macca's. It's not Macca's? I'm staying, don't worry. Uh, it's good. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's delicious. I can't wait. Except I must confess, I feel like all I've done is eaten since I got here. <laughs> Pastor Pauline fattened me up. It's the gift of hospitality. Equates to the gift of overweightedness. I just made up that spiritual gift. You won't find it in the Bible, but you will find a lot with it. It's getting awkward. Hey, how are you? Are you good? I was saying to Pastor Rob just in the uh, just before the service. Oh, it's like it was so nice because normally we're, I'm kind of off to the city and doing all those sorts of things, and so it's been such a fantastic time being here and uh, getting to know uh, not just Rob and Pauline, but getting to know the family and getting to know the church family. And uh, you guys have fantastic pastors. Do you know that? You really do. Can we honour them? Is that all right? Just thank them for who they are. So good. So good. Hey, we're going we're gonna to try that again because that, that, was, that was amazing. But I reckon we need to honour where honour's due. Amen. And so we would teach in our, our church, to be honest, and they're going to be really embarrassed and probably annoyed at me and all that. And that's why I come to places, just to annoy pastors. Um, but, you know, I reckon it's worthwhile in honouring honoring the pastors in our life. It really is worthwhile. Um, I'm not saying they're going to get everything right, but honour is something different altogether. It's a spiritual principle that we believe in. Amen. And it's about saying, you know what, we recognise the hand and the call of God on your life and we appreciate and value the covering that you bring into our world. And they are doing an incredible job. This is just the beginning of what God is doing in this church. And so, Pastor Rob and Pauline, we do. You know, from, from the bottom of my heart, I want to honour you for what you're doing, the work of God that you're doing in this area. It's about to explode with growth and life and passion to a whole new level. So we honour you tonight. Come on, can we be upstanding? Can we honour them? Thank them. So good. So very good. Amazing. And hey, I reckon any opportunity you just get to honour them, go ahead and do it. You know, they're carrying something. You know that story of um, when Moses is up on the mountaintop and Joshua is down in the valley and he's fighting the Amalekites? You know, you know that story? And when Moses' arms went down, you know, the Amalekites started beating the Israelites. And then I think it was Aaron and her. I always want to call him Thor. I don't know why, but something to do with Marvel. And, uh, but Aaron and her are up there and they lift the arms of Moses up. Whenever there was someone lifting up the arms of Moses, 
Then Joshua down there was winning. The Bible says that Joshua actually got tired. This isn't my sermon. This is just for free. Um, but Joshua was jo- Joshua. Joshua was down there. Joshua was down there doing his thing, and uh, that that was that was really cool. But but there's something there's something weighty about carrying a spiritual burden and a spiritual call over a place, and we can never take for granted the weight and the pressure. Like I thank God every day for my my pastors, Pastor Russell and Sam Evans, and I just I, every moment I get to honor them. Every moment I get to. Uh, invest into their life and into their children's life with whatever resource I have. I take that opportunity. And I'm not saying that because they, um, you know, want a new car or anything like that. This got awkward, didn't it? I'm just saying it because I believe it to be a principle in the Word of God that when we honour, it unlocks something incredible. So I want to encourage you to do that. Look, just halfway through the worship, I've been really enjoying your worship here. I should say it like this. I've been enjoying worshipping with you here in this place. God is doing something incredible. Can we thank all the team that make it happen? The sound guys, the word guys, the people singing, all the musicians, and just what a touch of God. I don't know if it's possible, but I've been getting goosebumps in my jeans. That's how anointed the, the, the worship has been. It's been so good. It's like my jeans, whoa, goosebumps. So it's so good. God is good, and uh, we're going to worship in a in a little moment. But as we were worshiping, I just felt the Holy Spirit just say uh, to kind of change my approach for this service, and I uh, had something else planned to kind of share. And uh, so you're not going to have the scriptures up on the screen or anything like that. So we're just going to freestyle a little bit tonight, if that's all right with you. Is that all right with you? And I want to just just say preach quick. Come on, you need to say it prophetically over my life. Can you do that? Say, preach quick. Say, no mucking around, Matt. We're hungry. And uh, hey, hey, let's go to the Bible. I, I want to read you. You can go to Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to read from verse 26. I want to read you quick two other scriptures before we get there. And as you're turning to Numbers chapter 13, would you just turn to your neighbor and just tell them it's not what it seems. That's what we're going to be preaching from tonight. It's not what it seems. It's not what it seems. As you're uh, finding, as you're finding uh, Numbers 13, let me read this, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them, everybody say, gave them, gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim, uh, sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them to take nothing for the journey, take no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt, don't take anything. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people, uh, if people do not welcome you, Leave their town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. I love that, just a side point, that that Jesus says, don't take those five things. What are those five things? He said, don't take a staff, a bag, don't take bread, don't take money, don't take an extra shirt. Number five, if you didn't know that, uh, is the number of grace. Because wherever you go, it doesn't matter what you've got, what you're carrying or what you aren't carrying, 
Jesus is trying to teach the disciples a lesson that it's his grace in every season, in every circumstance that is sufficient and that is more than enough. Can I hear an amen? He says, the Bible says that he gave them power. Did you know that you have been given power? You have received power. When, like when uh, Josh was talking before around our giving, he was saying that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we've received dunamis power. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. The anointing of God that breaks every yoke and every chain of bondage. The, the anointing of God dwells inside of you today. Jesus said it like this. He said, we have a far better covenant now this new covenant that we live in. Why? Because not just our priests and uh, the men of God uh, in, in the kind of, uh, in the title sense, anointed and have the power of God. It is available to each and every single one, each and every single person that says, I'm a follower of Jesus and also says, I have faith that the Holy Spirit can fill me. Everybody say power. You have power. You've got authority. John chapter, first John 4, 6. I love this scripture. Just write these down and you can read them in your own time later on. It says, you dear children, the apostle John speaking, you are, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one that is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now let's get to our main text for tonight, Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to read from verse number 26. They came back to Moses. Do you know this story? You're familiar with this story? They basically come out of Egypt. They come out of uh, being captive for 400 years through uh, God's kind of divine evacuation plan, miracles, signs, wonders, seas of parted, but uh, uh, rivers have turned to blood, plagues have come through God's miraculous, uh, through God moving miraculously through the hand of Moses, the children of Israel are now free. They're now wandering through the wilderness on their way to Canaan. And they, Moses has this, journey, this conversation where he says, let's send out 12 spies. And the 12 spies have gone into the land. They've seen the land. They've seen what it's like. They're that close. That's what I want you to understand today. They're that close to Canaan already. They're that close. They're so close that they can send 12 men from where they're camping out to go and spy out a land. And this is what they say as they report back from spying out the land that God has promised them. Verse number 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. I'm going to speed read so that we can get to the food at the end. Uh, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. That's where Goliath came from. The Amalekites live in Negev. The, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites live with the Vegemites in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea or along the Jordan. That's a great pastor joke, isn't it, by the way? It's not funny, but it gets corny laughs every time. 
Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, you should go up. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it and all the people and the, uh, sorry, all the people we saw were of great size. We saw Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. I want us to just underline that simple phrase today for the next 15 minutes as we preach together because that's what preaching is, come on. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Father, thank you for your word. It is anointed and it is powerful. And so today, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and not only investigate our hearts, investigate our lives, but shine the flashlight on the unseen areas of our life. But Holy Spirit, we're also asking for you today to come and move in power in this service. I have great faith and expectation, God, that as your word is being preached, miracles are going to happen. Signs and wonders are going to happen. I declare cancer is going to be healed today. I declare migraine headaches are going to go in Jesus' mighty name. I believe there, there are people that have walked into this room that have struggled with all kinds of mental illness for a long time. And Father, your word, the power, just one touch, just one word from you is going to completely liberate them today, that they're going to walk out completely supernaturally set free from all kinds of addictions and thoughts and patterns. God, we just invite you to come and move in this service like you never have before. We come in with faith tonight. We ask for you to speak to our hearts, change our lives in the name of Jesus. And someone with faith said, Amen. Amen. The story of the Israelites to me is an interesting one, and especially as I investigate this story I, and I look into this story, I begin, to, I begin to ask a lot of questions like, for example, why are the children of Israel, why are the children of Israel stuck? I can't quite understand why they're stuck here. Think about it. They've gone through this amazing, these, ama these amazing experiences with God showing up through signs and wonders to bring them out of the land of, of Egypt into the promised land. I can't understand it. You know, the, the word exodus kind of, it simply means exit. That's what the book of Exodus is about. It's about God's exit of the children of Israel out of Egypt and into relationship with him. We uh, Theologically, we can see in chapter 19, that's kind of where we realize why God took them out. God didn't take them out just so that they could uh, have their own land, but God took them out so that they could become his own people. In fact, if you dig a little deeper, you'll begin to realize that Exodus, there's kind of pictures of a, of a Hebrew wedding ceremony right throughout the book of Exodus. That's what the Ten Commandments are. We would call them like a prenup these days. And they're all kind of found, uh, the, these, this set, the Jewish 
the Hebrew uh, wedding ceremony is kind of found symbolically through the book of Exodus, showing us that it wasn't about having your own place. It was about having a relationship with your God. And, you, and this, is what, this is what this book is about. But I began to ask myself, what caused them to stop after all that they had done? What caused them to stop now? Their problem related to their progress was nothing to do with God. Their problem related to their progress was not their view of God. Their problem related to their progress was now their view of themselves. of how they saw themselves and what was on the inside of them. And I'm sure you've heard it preached many times before that that's what the whole uh, wilderness was about. It was like God took the people of Israel out of Egypt, literally, but it was the Israelites' responsibility to take Egypt out of their heart. You know, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You know what I'm talking about. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you're doing. But those roots of who you are are going to go with you everywhere that you go. And God's trying to rearrange the thought life, the processes, how people relate to God. They've only seen God and related to God through slavery and through bondage. And so often that's what it's like with us in our own lives. We don't really know how to relate to God. We relate to God like a judge, like a, 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 a God that wants to kind of just discipline us all the time. But, but really the story of the Bible is about a loving father that wanted to restore relationship back with his children so much so that he bankrupt heaven to do so. They stopped not because of who, who God was. They stopped because of who, how they saw themselves. And we find it, it's evidence here in the last verse that we read, verse number 33. The Bible says that we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And the problem wasn't with how they saw God, but with how they saw themselves. So come on right now. This is the question that I want you asking. I want you digging deep tonight. How do you really see yourself? Because how you see yourself is going to determine how your relationship with God outworks. If you see yourself as a son or a daughter of God, then when it comes to prayer and when it comes to uh, approaching God in praise and worship, when you see God as a father and you as a son that he, and a daughter that he accepts unconditionally, your worship is completely different to that of a son or a daughter that's trying to always coming from a place of God. Do you approve of my worship? One of the greatest things that I got set free as a worshiper and a worship leader in my church was like, I hope that worship was okay. I hope my performance, God, was okay. But, but Jesus knows that it's not about, and God knows that it's not about our performance. If our performance was ever good enough, he would have never had to send Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul said we can enter his, his throne room boldly. When we approach prayer, we don't approach it as beggars. We approach it with boldness. We approach it as sons and daughters. You know, I was on FaceTime with my children today, and uh, they were in the car driving, and uh, my daughter's eight, so she can kind of 
uh, work FaceTime and it's amazing technology these days what a blessing it is and we're FaceTiming and I'm talking and and you know my son's three his name's MJ then I got Hallie who's six and I got uh, Ella who's eight and uh, they're all amazing kids and it's all good but but this is what I'm talking about my my MJ he, he knows he's my son he's not trying to get my approval for stuff he's not wondering if dad loves him So, you know, what's the first thing he says to me? Not, hi, Dad, I love you. <laughs> Dad, can you please bring me home a transformer that actually transforms? I'm <laughs> um, like, you're three. You don't have the fine motor skills, son, yet at this stage to be able to do the... <laughs> He's, he came from a place of sonship. I love that. Now, I haven't got him a transformer, but anyway, that's another conversation. I love the fact that he's just like, have you got me a transformer, Dad? Why? Because he's coming from an identity as a son. He's not coming as a beggar. He's not coming of a, oh, I need to get approval. I need a, God, do you still love me? God, do you still accept me? Friend, here's the whole thing that you've just got to get that box ticked in your life, that God loves you, that he's got a plan for your life, that he's for you, not against you. No height, nor depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, friend. Sometimes I believe that we think that sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. And you say, Matt, we were, we're a Pentecostal church. We would never believe that. I'm not saying you would say you believe it, but I'm saying I can see that you believe it by the way that you approach God. Because you're like, oh, I'm not sure if my sins can be washed away. And how we see ourselves determines how we see and how we approach God and how we pray and how we worship and how we praise. How I see God as a preacher, how I see myself and how God's made me determines whether I'm a preacher that at the end of the sermon's like, oh, I hope that was good. I hope, I hope everyone's happy. I hope that's all good. No, I've, just, I've been set free of that a long time ago. I've just come into a place where it's just like, you know what? It's God's word. His word is powerful. An open heart is going to receive his word. I can't control the heart that it lands on, but I can control the seed of God's word that's coming out of my mouth. Come on. We've got to be a people that continue to adjust. Because I said, it's not what it seems like. And this is what's interesting. That word seems, that word seems literally means in the Hebrew to come to pass. And I want to say it like this, your internal perception will always influence your external reality. What it seems like, it becomes like. Did you get that? What it seems like, it becomes like. It means, it, that word seems means it came, comes to pass. And what it seems like, it becomes like. So we've got to start adjusting what it seems like. You know, Pastor Rob and I yesterday went for a drive around Port Lincoln, the beautiful Port Lincoln. We went, did a bit of sightseeing. We went in his four-wheel drive. I must be honest, I was praying in tongues under my breath for parts of it. Um, as we were approaching quite large potholes, which I wouldn't call potholes, I'd more call them canyons. 
um, and we're driving along and we were having a good time. And Pastor Rob, he, he leaned over to me actually and he, he, he passed me his sunglasses. Now, what's interesting, about, he said to me about these sunglasses, he said, put these on because they're, they're UV, right? So they block out all that UV light so that you can see differently. When I was wearing those glasses and I was looking out at the horizon, I could see and I, I said to Pastor Rob, I said, looks like it's raining over there. Can you see that? He said, no, I can't. And I realized it was due to the lens that I was looking through that adjusted how I saw. I also want to mention that his sunglasses are a brand called Sin. And so some might say I was looking through the lens of Sin. That's another sermon on its own. But friend, lens, sin does have a lens that you see through. And it, you know the, 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 how the devil's treated that lens? Come on, I'm preaching right now. That lens that you see through always looks like it's going to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. But when you put on God's glasses, those Google glasses, I mean Jesus glasses, come on somebody. It changes your perception of what you see. You don't see the future as something that's just going to finish and die and end up and nothing else good can come about this. You see from a different perspective and what it seems like, it always becomes like. That's how faith works. Faith adjusts the way that you see so that you can prophetically declare over your future, God, it may look like a fire right now, but you've got something there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. It may look like a storm right now, but God, you're going to use that storm to bring about a breakthrough in my life. It's all about how you see it. It's all about you, how you see it. See, they didn't reach their potential. Because think about it. I'm finishing soon, but think about it. Think about it. There were, there were 10 spies, 10 spies that saw from a certain perspective, through Pastor Rob's glasses, through sin, through fear. They saw through, through the, the lens of the past. They through, saw through the lens of their own ability or inability. But there were two that saw a different way, Caleb and Joshua. They saw through the lens of their prophetic potential in God. How do two see something one way? Remember, they all saw the same thing. How do two come back going, we are more than able, and ten come back going, we shouldn't go there. We know the land's flowing in milk and honey. It's, it's exactly as you said, Moses, but... But, I think the New King James Version uses the word nevertheless. Nevertheless, we could never, we could never go. Because it's a land that devours its inhabitants. They, they, see, the reason why they didn't reach their potential, it, it wasn't because of immorality. It was because of inadequacy. The reason why they didn't reach their potential wasn't because of some big sin that they did in the camp. It was because of how they saw themselves. 
And I've written this down. The word inadequate means lacking the quality or quantity required, insufficient for a purpose. And isn't this what sin does? It says, you don't have enough to get through that. You're not good enough to be able to walk through that. I've written it down like this. That, that was a definition of dictionary.com, but this is my own personal definition. Inadequacy is the revelation that you don't have enough, you aren't enough, or you aren't good enough to succeed in any situation. That you aren't enough, you don't have enough, and you aren't good enough. And our sinful nature highlights our inadequacies, but the Holy Spirit highlights our redemptive nature. And the devil is set on speaking over your life that you are not good enough, that you do not have enough, and that, that, that you aren't enough. And there are circumstances that you're facing right now, and that lie is screaming into your circumstances, into your reality, saying you aren't enough, you're not good enough. God will never see you through this. You could never do that. But friend, I want to thank God just for a moment. Forgive me while I go a bit crazy in this church, if that's all right. I know you're holding babies and I know all things are happening, but forgive me just while I praise myself into a bit of a party at the moment. Why? Because you see a preacher standing up here that you might think is articulate and knows the word, but you don't know my background. You don't know where I came from. You don't know the thoughts and the things that I once struggled with. You don't know that I, brought, I was brought up in a in a in a broken home struggling for identity so forgive me for a moment while i just have my own little praise break because because friend i've lived in that place where i i've thought i'm not good enough i've thought i don't have enough and i've thought that god can never use someone like me but the reason why i need to ask for you to forgive me about this moment is because i've just got to spend some time thanking god in heaven for jesus christ who turns every situation Situation. I don't even need the mic. got to praise God for a moment and thank him and say, Jesus, thank you. If you can use something, someone like me, if you can take someone broken like me, God, who else could you use? Oh my goodness, friend, you've, you've been walking around with your head between your tails because you've, you've got this inadequate spirit, but I'm just here to prophetically declare over your life, it doesn't matter how big you think you are, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm just here to tell you, oh, I'm just here, would you help me preach right now? I'm here to tell you that the grasshopper that is Jesus in side of you is greater than the grasshopper that is in the world. It doesn't matter how big or small your faith is. Faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to say to this mountain, be removed and be cast to the sea, and it shall be done. Friend, the Jesus that is in you. Come on, young man, help me preach right now. That's it. That's how we like it at Planet Shakers. That's it, man. That's faith.
That's why Jesus said, let all the little children come up to me. Because it was like a Planet Shakers meeting. He was preaching good. No, I'm joking. I don't have enough. I don't have enough training. I don't have enough gifts. I don't have enough skills. I don't have the right personality. When I look through the Bible, I notice that God loves using people that don't have enough, that aren't enough, and that aren't good enough. I think about Moses that, that actually refused a job from God at the burning bush. His job interview, and he said, no, 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 I can't speak. He said, I'll anoint your tongue. I'm glad that you think you're not good enough because in your weakness, I'll make you strong. I thank God for the stories like Gideon. Why? Because they give me hope. Gideon, the least of the least of the least. Absolute nerd burger, that guy. Threshing wheat in a wine vat. I just made that word up. It's not in the dictionary. The absolute, absolute loser. That's how the Bible describes him. And I'm putting it in our Western language today. But it's true. He was the least of the least of the least. He was so scared. But you know what? Even in the midst of your fear, God will show up and you'll have an encounter with him. Why? Because your inadequacies don't disqualify you. In fact, it's your availability that qualifies you. Stop looking to what you have or what you don't have. Stop comparing who you are to someone else or to what you've got or the gift that's on your life to the gift of someone else down the road. Oh, yeah, but, you know, and we see the worship team up here and, and they, they always, you know, they're like singing, worshiping, then on the keyboard. Come on so gifted like like you know jimmy was on the drums then he's on the guitar like i want to slap people like that in jesus name obviously but you know what i mean but as long as i'm looking to what someone else has and trying to compare it with maybe what I don't have, I'm just disabling my ability to move in the things of God. But come on, one heart, church, I'm here to tell you today that you are enough, that you are good enough, and that you have everything that you need because of Jesus. I'm here to declare over you today, I'm preaching myself happy. I'm here to tell you today that, the, that God, the Jesus that is in you is greater than anything that is in the world. So come on, snap out of it. Snap out of it. The only reason they didn't enter the promised land, the band, whole band can come. The only reason why they didn't enter the promised land wasn't because of immorality, it was because of inadequacy. They thought they weren't good enough. Man, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, there are so many seasons in my life where I feel inadequate. I've discovered about my walk with God that he always calls me into a place where I feel like in my own strength, I don't have enough. I don't have those qualifications. I don't have the this or the that, especially when I look at someone that's already doing that. I'm like, whoa, that's a big jump. But I've also learned that that is the exact door. Often that's the door that God opens up. It's one where it exposes 
my inability. Because it's in that place where there are giants. It's in that place where there is hardship. It's in that place where there are tough times, where there are enemies and cities that need to be defeated. It's in that place where we learn to lean on God. It's in that place that God gets all the glory out of your life. So friend, I don't mean to end on a low note, but don't be surprised when God starts taking you through some tough times. When God brings you into a land and you start taking some steps towards what you believe is God's future for your life and all hell breaks loose around it. Stay the course. I want to close with sharing this last story. I've never shared this anywhere, actually. I haven't even shared this to my own church. But we launched our church um, on the 15th of May on about the... On about the... Uh, on about, about the middle of June, I started having a mole that started bleeding. And so I went into the doctor. I got heaps of moles. They're everywhere. I go in for a mole check, right? And they're just like, oh, no, not you. I'm that guy. Because there's like millions. Like they're, I'm there for hours. And they're just like, microscope, you know. And I went in there and I went to, a, to a, a, you know, a cancer mole specialist, basically. And they were looking over. They looked at this mole. And uh, the, the doctor just basically said, he said, to me that almost definitely looks like melanoma and so I was like okay all right and so I booked in a surgery to essentially have it removed and a bit of skin around it and uh, that was all good I'm all cool with that but it was interesting in that time how fear just tries to creep in you know how you know how how the enemy starts trying to define what it seems like because what it seems like is going to become like. That's how fear works. You're not scared of the spider, really. The spider's tiny. You're scared of what the spider might do to you. You're scared of what might happen in the future. You're going, it seems like that spider might bite me. It won't just squash it. It's all good. I was sitting in the, I was sitting in, uh, I went back back after they did a biopsy or whatever it's called and they came back to us and they said um, you know and it was a long period out between getting the mole getting told it was almost a hundred like well the doctor basically said all the indicators are that that's a melanoma so we need to remove it I'm like okay two weeks later I get it cut out about a month later or six weeks later I come back in for the results and rah up. I remember what that six weeks was like. I remember as I entered into just planning this brand new church with my young family, all the lies that the enemy was trying to sow into my mind. Now, I thank God that, um, yes, it was cancer, but they managed to cut it all out in that time. So it's all good. No pity party or anything like that needed. But I remember going through that season and I remember thinking to myself, and I remember getting this message for my church. Matt, it's not what it seems like. When you walk through the fire, I'll be there. 
You may even smell like smoke coming out of that fire, but I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get burnt. Nothing on you is going to be harmed. And see, friend, I'm here to tell you today, why am I telling you that story? And I'm not telling you that articulately, but I'm trying to tell you that you're just going to go through stuff. If I'm not immune to those sorts of things, you're going to go through things. But friend, don't check out of what God's trying to do just because a hard time comes along. Don't check out. Keep pressing in. Keep walking through. Keep knowing that God, yeah, I must be, I must be in going in the right direction. My goodness. Who's in you is greater than who's in the world. Would you stand to your feet? I've had the band up too long. They're getting bored. I heard someone go, hurry up, in the background. Praise God. As every head is bowed and eyes closed, I want to do this first. Um, I want to invite you to respond to Jesus. Maybe you don't know him or maybe you're away from him. And I believe there are three types of people in this room today. There are first type of persons, those that you love God, you know God, you walk in these doors knowing you're right with God. You're going to walk out of these doors knowing you're right with God. When you walked into these doors today, you have a relationship with God. You know God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Your life is committed to Him. He is the number one thing in your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. He's your priority. He's the one that you worship. He's the one that you live for. Your career your finance, your life, your skills, jobs, abilities, relationships, they all revolve around Him. He is the fulcrum, the pivot point, the centerpiece of your life. The second type of person that's here tonight are those that once knew Jesus or maybe you did know God, but for whatever reason, life has got the better of you and you've drifted away, your heart's gone cold. You, you, you once used to worship God passionately or you once prayed a prayer and invited Jesus into your life, but for whatever reason, friend, you've walked away. And you walked into this place not knowing where you stand with God. And friend, I'm not here suggesting that you're, whether you're saved or not, that's not up to me. But friend, what I do know is in your heart, God is speaking to you to say, hey, it's time to invite me back into your life. It's time to make me that number one thing. It's time to make me the Lord of your life again. And if you're honest in this place, you know that you haven't been making him as the Lord of your life. And you walked in here unsure of where you stand with God, but friend, you're going to respond in a moment to Jesus. And you're going to walk out of this room knowing where you stand with God, that you're in right standing with him. The third type of person that's here today is you just don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with God. You walked into this place. Maybe you've never been to church before. I'm not really sure. But friend, I want to tell you today, that there is a God in heaven that loves you. He has a plan for your life. There is a God in heaven that loves you so much he would sacrifice his own son. There is a God in heaven that would send his own son, Jesus. Jesus loved you so much that he would pay the ultimate price, the price that you and I deserve going to the cross. The awesome news is that death couldn't hold him down. He rose again from the dead three days later, defeating sin in the grave so that you and I can live in complete freedom. And friend, you walked into this place not knowing where you stand with God, but you're also going to respond to Jesus tonight. Pray a simple prayer and walk out of this place in right standing with God. You walked in one way, but God is the God of the turnaround. You're going to walk out of this place knowing you're in right standing with God. 
healed, set free, and living in victory. And as every head is bowed and eyes closed, you say, Matt, that's me. I'm away from God. I once knew him, but I walked away, but I want to recommit my life to him today. Or I've never done this before, and I want to invite Jesus into my life. Would you quickly raise your hand? I'll see it. I want to just know who I'm praying for. Thank you. God bless you. I just want to know who I'm praying with tonight. Up the back there, awesome. God bless you. Is there someone else? You say, Matt, can you include me in this prayer? I want to walk out of this place completely sure. Thank you. God bless you. I want to walk out of this place completely sure I'm right with Jesus. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it back down again. That's all good. Over this side, awesome. Is there someone else? You say, Matt, pray for me. I once was so on fire for God, but I walked away. I've abandoned the call of God that's on my life, but I want to come back to it tonight. I don't care how long you've been in church, friend. God, the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart right now. Say, Matt, would you pray for me? Include me in that prayer. Is there anyone else? Just quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Would you repeat this, these words after me as we pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. You took my place upon the cross. I come before you today and I acknowledge that you're the son of God, that you died upon a cross and you rose again from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. I turn from my old life into my new life with you. I declare that I'm saved, that I'm your child and that I'm victorious because of Jesus. I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, that's amazing, isn't it? So cool. We've got something we want to give you at the end of the service, so someone's going to pass you that um, just before you go. And uh, I'm not sure if there's a, is there a table up that way. There's a table over this way, and we've just got a little gift we want to pass you. So make sure you head to that table, um, or don't be surprised if someone taps you on the shoulder and says hi at the end of the meeting. Hey, you're, you, you're good enough. You have enough. God's got a plan for your life. Say, Matt, that message was for me tonight. Come on, we're going to sing this worship song right from the top. I'm not sure what song we're singing, but it'll be good. And uh, if that's you, you say, Matt, yeah. I'm going to change my identity tonight. I am enough. I have enough. I'm good enough because of Jesus. Would you lift your hands right now? Allow the Holy Spirit just to come and inspire you, empower you, encourage you. And come on, let's sing.